was growing up, uh, I grew up playing sports. Football, basketball, baseball, track and field, golf. Our family was very sports-oriented. And I remember when I was in elementary school, I played JAA football. Anybody grow up around Fort Collins? JAA football. And uh, you probably know as the very calm, quiet, introverted person that I am, I could just get lost in the shuffle on the sideline and maybe never get put in the game. No, that wasn't true. Man, I'd suit it up, and I said, Coach, give me the ball. I'll make something happen. I may run the wrong way, but I'm going to make something happen. And then when it's on defense, let me go after the ball. I'll put it all on the line. My mom and dad had to go, oh, no, there's, there's our son running around. I mean... Just all over the place with enthusiasm and passion. And like I said, I might not have done it right, but you knew I was there. You knew I was on the court. You knew I was on the field. Well, anyway, so what would transpire is because I was so active and on the ground and all over, I'd get real dirty. And so uh, I had a wonderful mom. I'd come home. I'd bring my football equipment. And, Mom, can you, can you uh, wash my uh, football stuff? She said, absolutely, sure. So... I would take the pads out of the, the knee pads and the, the hard the plastic out of the thigh pads and take off my jersey. Mom would wash it. And, and then, man, I'm ready for the next game. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm looking good. I just want you to know. An elementary kid, clean clothes, clean uniform, let me out there. And so I remember, and I used to return kicks and punt offs, uh, uh, punts and kickoffs, and so I take the opening kickoff, and I'm running and I'm running, you know, and I get hit right here, and I go, ah, oh, Do I need to make any more noises? Ouch! It was then that I realized I forgot to put the pads back in my football pants. It is not a wise thing to play football without padding. But you know what? I think sometimes as Christians, we go into the battle and we forgot to put on the full armor of God. I've entitled the message today, Are You Equipped for the Battle? Are you equipped for the battle? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you have a plan and a purpose not only for our lives, but for right now. We're not here by accident. You have a, a call on our lives to live for you, to be like you, to make a difference in our world. And we need to hear from you this morning individually and as a church. And we know that you speak through your word. So right now we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our lives, we surrender our lives, and we ask that you would Mold us and shape us and form us and teach us and encourage us and inspire us and motivate us so that we can be the people you want us to be. Father, teach us today what we need to learn about being equipped for the battle. Teach us through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Have you accepted the fact that being a Christian means you're engaged in a spiritual battle? You know, the reality is all around the world, people are coming to Christ. They're giving their hearts to Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And that's a wonderful thing, and we need to celebrate that. But there's something I'm concerned about that we're not always telling people that to become a Christian means that you've enlisted in a very fierce and ongoing spiritual battle. They just hear, come to Christ and your life will be better. Come to Christ and you've enlisted in a fierce and an ongoing, moment by moment, day by day, spiritual battle. After accepting this truth, have you and are you fully equipped to be victorious in this battle? Like I said, people, if they do not have that on their radar, if they're not being encouraged or instructed about the spiritual battle, they don't really understand the equipment or being equipped to fight that particular battle. And we need to be equipped for this warfare that we're in. Far too many Christians are losing the battle and facing defeat because they're not fully equipped. Now, please hear me, friends. If you've asked Jesus into your heart to be Lord and personal Savior, and you really are an authentic, born-again Christian, you have received salvation. You're on your way to heaven. But that does not guarantee or assure you that you're going to live a victorious or successful life. Because you're in a war. And I want to be honest with you, a lot, if not most, of the people I run into and encounter on a regular basis who are Christians are being defeated in their spiritual lives. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially. They're a Christian. They're born again. They're going to heaven. But because they don't understand the spiritual war, they're not being fully equipped. They're not using the equipment been given to them. They're living defeated Christian lives. Being fully equipped with spiritual equipment is imperative to being successful in the battle. My friends, we must have the right equipment. And utilize it right and effective if we want to live a victorious, successful life and truly obtain the promise that Jesus gave us that you'll live an abundant life. A lot, if not most Christians, are not living an abundant life. And I think a lot of it has to do with a misunderstanding of spiritual warfare. And Paul knew that in his day. And that's why he wrote for us the words we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, again, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible every Sunday. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Can you believe we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 6? We have one more Sunday in Ephesians. We've been going through that for, what, four, five, six months now. So we're going to be finishing it up then in the month of October. We're going to do the Mission Sunday, but we're going to be looking at uh, some subjects in regard to how to prepare for the end times and the end days. I believe we are in the last of the days. I don't know what that means. That could be three hours. That could be three days. It could be three months. It could be 300 years. 
But I believe we're living in the last days, and we need to be able to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in October. And then in November, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, for uh, about six months now. I've really been seeking the Lord in a lot of prayer and fasting, asking the Lord to clarify to me the vision and the purpose and the direction of what He has in store for us. And I'm really excited that the Lord has given that. He's confirmed that. He's sharing that with me. So the whole month of November, I'm going to give you hopefully a, a roadmap in, in where we're going to be going and what God's wanting of our church individually and collectively. I'm going to hopefully pull back the curtain and give you some vision of where the Lord wants to take us. That's going to be an exciting month there in November as well. But right now we want to finish up the, uh, the book of Ephesians. So today we're in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read for you verses 13 through 18. Again, Paul, very aware of the spiritual battle, watching Christians uh, being defeated as Christians. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, then stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts that the wicked one is sending your way, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. There's a whole lot in those verses in regard to spiritual warfare. So we don't have several hours to go over it. So bear with me. I'm going to hit a variety of things and and trust that God, by His Holy Spirit, is going to apply it to your heart, to your mind, to your life, to your circumstance. So first point I'd like to, to talk to you about is the word, therefore. Many of you know when you read or hear the word, therefore, it's a connecting word. It's a bridge to the preceding words or theme. The preceding theme and focus that Pastor Nick shared last week is that you and I are involved in a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. That you and I are facing as Christian forces of evil that you and I can't really understand in our five senses. It's beyond that because it's supernatural. It's spiritual in nature. It amazes me how many people have gone to church and uh, over the years and, and they dress up and they are in the choir, they listen to the choir, or they go and they're involved in Sunday school classes and all these different things, and they've never learned about spiritual warfare. Why did... Because it's ugly and it's messy and we don't like it, we rip it out of our Bible. It's so important for you and I to understand. A lot of the things that you're facing are not natural. What did Nick go over last week? You and I are not dealing with flesh and blood. Natural things. You and I are dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. 
and this is not my platform, and I don't have time to share it anyway. If I shared with you the last 37 or 38 years of the spiritual attack and warfare that my wife and my kids and, and I have faced, it would blow you away. Anytime you say, here I am, God, send me. Here am I, God, use me. God, I want to make a difference in my world. I want to advance your kingdom. You better know that you just hit the hornet's nest. And I want you to pray because there's so many pastors around the country who hit that hornet's nest and they got stung and they got bruised and they got beaten up and they want to throw in the towel. You know, I'm going to get a little ornery in my old age, 42. I don't have a whole lot to lose. I'm going to tell you the truth. My friends, and I don't like this, but I'm going to be honest. You've got to pray for your pastor and your pastors. And pray for their marriages and pray for their kids and pray for their health and pray for their finances and pray for their relationship because they're fighting a spiritual battle. That's not just towards me, but it is towards me. Sometimes I say, Lord, I'm done because, gosh, I'm so tired of getting beat up in this spiritual battle. This is not just coming and, and, and sing a few songs and me stand up here and yell and spit and scream and, and go home. We're wrestling against evil entities for your heart, your mind, your soul, your marriage, your family, your finances. And sometimes you just go, that's enough. But we're in a battle. Therefore, we don't deal with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And, and you know, I'm not afraid to tell you that because it's the truth. Second point I want to bring to your attention is check and double check your equipment. Do you see it there? Therefore, because we're in this battle, take up the whole armor of God. You know the illustration I used earlier about my, uh, my football pants? Here's the other part of it. I had my helmet. I had my shoulder pads. I had my jersey. I had my cleats. I had a whole lot of the equipment I needed. I had my pants, my football pants. What I was missing, I forgot to check and double check to put in the cushion here and to put in the, the plastic plate here to guard my thigh. How many Christians today are out in the battlefield or on the field of life and they've got some of the equipment, but they haven't checked or double checked? You can have a lot of it, but you might be missing one or two pieces and you can get severely injured and damaged. And you go out thinking, I'm ready, but you didn't check and double check. Go back to Ephesians 6 on a regular basis and ask to make sure you have all of your uh, equipment that you have the whole armor of God because just missing one or two pieces, you can get in trouble and you can get injured and you can get knocked off. So check and double check. Third point, withstand so you can stand. You see that there in uh, verse 13? So you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Do you see the wording? Do you see the progression? If you don't withstand, you can't stand. Can I say that again? If you don't learn to withstand, you'll never be able to stand. The word withstand in the uh, Greek means to resist, to not allow, or to not enable. 
The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You don't resist him. You don't withstand. He's going to be right there with you. He's going to be in the center of your thoughts. He's going to be tinkling, tinkling around with your emotions. He's going to try to divide your relationship. He's going to attack your health. He's going to try to steal your finances. He's going to try to rob you of peace. We have to resist. We have to withstand. It's so it says, after you've withstood, then stand. The word stand there in the Greek means to abide, continue, and to persevere. If you don't withstand, you'll never then be able to stand. I've got a good friend in a place called Sanibel Island, Florida. Anybody been there know that? Beautiful place there. And how many of you know they have hurricanes in Florida? And now because of technology and radar, they can see these storms two or three days out. So they give these warnings. And so everybody starts what? They start boarding up their houses and shoring up their things because they want their house to withstand the force. Because if they get knocked over, then they're going to have to rebuild. They can't stand. But if you can withstand that, then the house is left standing. It's very much... Folks, how many of you know that a hurricane's coming your way? I know you didn't want me to tell you that, and I'm not talking in the natural. I'm talking because, you know what, we're talking about this right now. I can guarantee you that a hurricane is coming my way. Gosh, I wish I was sitting on the beach in St. Thomas. I don't get to choose what I can pull out of my Bible. I've got to be ready to withstand what's coming so that I can stand. But guess what? It's just not me. You're still alive. You're still here. You're still on the earthly journey. So we've got to learn to withstand so that we can stand. Now let's take a look at uh, the six different uh, pieces of equipment that Paul lays out for us that we need to have in place and utilize so that we can be victorious and we can be successful. First of all, it's the belt of truth. The belt of truth. It says there, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. A belt, I'm wearing a belt. Many of us are wearing a belt today. It's to secure our pants in place. All right? If we do not secure truth, especially in our current culture, life begins to sag and become unstable. I want to tell you today that relativism, progressivism, humanism is the effect of spiritual warfare because we didn't put on the belt of truth as individuals and as a nation. So everything's relative. We're in this progressive mentality. It's all about humanism. And that's because we've incurred spiritual warfare and we did not put on the belt of truth. Please hear me today. You need to put on the belt of truth. You need to hold on to truth. You need to fight for truth because everything that's going on in the spiritual world is trying to rob you of truth. And we're not living in a nation today that celebrates biblical truth or spiritual truth. If you stand up for that, you are going to be ostracized. You're going to be criticized. 
You're going to be talked about as, as homophobic or Islamophobic or all the other phobics. You're old-fashioned. My friend, the evil one is going to try to steal truth from you, from me, from the Bible, from our faith, from churches. We need to make sure we have secure our belt of truth. I'm not going to stir your emotions, but I am trying to say, folks, please, this is sobering. The war is intensifying. It's raging. And it's not just down the way. It's in your life. It's in your home. It's in your family. It's in this church. It's in our nation. We need to put on the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate was put on to guard the what? The heart. And the heart of Christianity is that we've been made right or righteous with God through the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't have on the breastplate of righteousness, I guarantee you this this form and these forces of evil are going for your heart. They want to wound your heart. They want to detour your heart. They want to destroy your heart. And there's many ways they do that, but just because it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, let me share with you one of the points. is because, you know what, if you're not careful, then you fall prey to believe it's your performance. I'm either doing good for God or not good for God. And I'm not, if I'm not doing too good and I've sinned and I've made a mistake, well, I don't want to be around God. I don't want to be around Christian people. I don't want to be condemned. I don't want somebody to yell at me to, be, to repent. And so we then go with a wounded, bruised heart, still trying to please God, or we give up and throw in the towel. The breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart, that it's not about our ability, it's not about our performance, and not about our choices, at least in regard to salvation. You've been justified, you've been made right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. That's called justification. I'm telling you, I need to grow in living out of my performance. All my life I've grown up in a performance-oriented culture, family, society. And it's easy for me to transfer that over that, well, I'm either doing good for God because I read my Bible, I prayed, or I gave money to the guy on the street, or I served here. And if I didn't, then I hey, put on the breastplate of righteousness. If you're a Christian, you've been made right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Guard your heart and don't fall pray to and don't succumb to your own performance. You're not right because what you did. You're right because what he did. Thank you. Three, footwear of peace. Our feet allow us to be mobile, right? And so when you put protection on your feet, it allows you to go uh, in a variety of places to continue the journey where you can be more mobile. How many of you know that our world is not peaceful? How many of you know that a lot of marriages aren't peaceful? How many of you know that a lot of young people aren't peaceful? How many of you know that you just turn on the the TV? Our political system is not peaceful. We're not living in a peace-oriented culture. And yet it says that we are to what? Have our feet protected and prepared so wherever we go, we bring peace. And that doesn't mean just 
a, a quietness and a feeling good. I, you know, I don't do very good with that peace in the sense of that. But here's what I do bring is I do not believe you'll ever have peace with yourself, peace with your mate, peace with life in any real way without having peace with God. And so I, I need to work on, on enjoying and celebrating and living out of the peace that God gives me, but I'm still always going with the peace of the message of the gospel. We need to have this a part of our lives in this spiritual battle. Four, shield of faith. Did you know a shield is the only movable, defensive piece of equipment you have? Did you know that? You can move it, right? If you've got a shield, you've got a hand, you know, the arrows are coming that way, or the arrows are coming that way, or the arrows are coming that way. You can move your shield of faith depending on where the attack is coming from. The reason I say that is because so many people, their faith is only Sunday morning for one hour or an hour and a half in church. They don't bring that same faith into their relationships, to their kids, or, or to their jobs, or to their finances, or to their health, or their hobbies, or to their neighborhood. The worst thing you can do is let your faith be about church on Sunday morning. He's going to pick you off. Because you don't have your shield of faith when you go to work and, and your boss looks at you and says, you know what, you don't have a job anymore. I've got a good friend. Rod, it's not Rod, uh, that we have together who uh, Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, he got called into the office, didn't he, and said, you're fired. He better have, he better have the shield of faith. He better not leave it at church or under his bed or back in the closet. Everyone in here, we're going to face things, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, occupational. We better be able to use that shield of faith and see it coming. If not, you're going to get picked off. We need the whole armor of God. How about the helmet of salvation? The helmet is to protect the head, the mind, the logic. Without a helmet, I think what we get is are two things. Rationalism. And worldliness. Rationalism. How many of you know that faith isn't always rational? Jesus looked at Peter and said, get out of the boat and walk on water. Well, that's not logical. That's not rational. He said to Moses, put, put your, uh, your rod in, in, uh, in the Red Sea and I'll split it. Uh... That doesn't make sense. I didn't learn that in science class. Too much of rationalism has overtaken the Christian. And that's part of the spiritual warfare. It doesn't make any sense. Faith will never make sense with rationalism. I'm not saying be kooky and be weird and not be discerning and go off the handle. But I'm saying if you live your life on rationalism rather than on faith, you have not put on the helmet of salvation. And then what about worldliness? Our world tells, tells us to live for right now. It's here and now. We need the helmet of salvation so we don't buy into that. How many of you know your life is passing really quickly? Faster than you want. Maybe faster than you know. So why in the world would we live for this life? 
exclusively. Maybe we didn't have the helmet of salvation on. And rationalism and worldliness infected our brain. Let's put on the helmet of salvation and make sure we're living by faith and living for eternity. How about the sword of the Spirit? We all know this. We've heard it a million times. The sword is the only offensive weapon we have that's mentioned. We just can't play defense. We just can't play it safe. You just can't guard yourself. You just can't protect yourself. I've done that far too much. I've done it lately. And you know, a lot of churches, we're playing it safe and we're playing it defensive and we're putting all, all the defensive weapons. We need to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're going to need to find some enthusiasm, some excitement, some, some conviction, some passion, and go out and make a difference. I was going to hit the pulpit, Marilyn, but I'm not going to. Oh, I did, doggone it. We got to go get it done. I played an event the other day. It's Athletes in Action, uh, Rod. And, and there's some athletes there, and I won't go into all of that. But you know what? It stirred in me. I wanted to be a coach when I grew up. And I wouldn't have to worry about yelling and screaming and spitting because all coaches do. But in church, quiet, calm, in control, sophisticated. What did you birth? <laughs> Folks, individually and collectively, I'm speaking to myself probably more than anybody. I'm preaching to myself. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit. We need to take up the offensive weapon. And we've got to go get some work done. I thought to myself the other day, do I still even believe in hell? Theologically, yes, but... When you start thinking, did, where not, when was the last time I, I shared the love of Christ with a lost person who may go to hell? It's, it, I act like a, a practical atheist that I don't believe it. I believe it. And I've got to care. And I've got to take up the sword of the Spirit. And, and you've got to challenge me and pray for me. I can't play it safe. It's too easy to play it safe. You play it safe, you're not going to win. Huh? All you sports fanatics that want to get out of here right now and go watch a game. How many of you know if you get a little bit of a lead and then what? They start playing it safe, defensive, protective. The momentum shifts. The church needs a momentum shift. Christians need a momentum shift from playing it safe and playing it defensive, and playing it cautious. We've got to take up the sword of the Spirit, and we've got to get aggressive. We've got to take some risks. We've got to throw some bombs. We need some first downs. We need to get some momentum. Thank you. Now we'll get ready to close it up. Where's Dylan? Dylan, start coming this way, my brother. And Renelda. So now, already. Well, I keep preaching. Paul says, after you put on the full armor of God, he said, but don't forget these three things. Because he said, you can put on the full armor of God, but if you forget these last three things, they're in context. 
you're gonna you're not gonna be fully prepared. What does he say? First of all, he says, pray in the spirit. You see it right there in verse 18. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. What does that mean? I think it has a twofold impact. Number one is you need to be praying according to how the Holy Spirit leads you. Now, some people are saying amen because they understand that, but some people go, I don't even know about the Holy Spirit. I don't even really have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't really know how to hear the Holy Spirit. So how in the world do I follow or pray in the Holy Spirit if I don't know who He is or I don't have a relationship with Him or I can't hear Him? That means that we then what? Have to grow in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn how to hear the Holy Spirit. We need to hear how to uh, partner with the Holy Spirit. There's sometimes I'm just in prayer and somebody's name will just come to my mind. It will be as clear as day and I'll know that I need to contact them. That's not out of my human nature. That's the Holy Spirit at work saying you need to get in touch with them. And inevitably, I would say 80% of the time they go, how did you know I so needed someone to call me or to minister to me and I'm struggling and I'm hurting. I need to share something. I need to lay down a burden. It's because we were praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to put on the full armor of God, but we've got to be Christians who understand, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, you ready for the next one? Because I'm going to create maybe some controversy. For those of you who have received the gift of tongues, you need to pray in that gift. Some of you are going, well, first of all, I've never heard of the gift of tongues. Second of all, I heard the gift of tongues were from the devil, and I don't know about any of that stuff. If you want to understand or you want to know some perspective of what the Bible says about the gift of tongues, praying in tongues, it says praying in the Spirit. It's not only be praying, led, being led by the Spirit, but praying in the Spirit so that the Spirit is praying in you, the Holy Spirit is praying through you, which, again, you've got controversy in the body of Christ. I've been doing this for 38 years. I know somebody will tell me there isn't a gift or there is a gift or uh, some get it or some don't get it. Some's of the devil. Some's of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you know what? I'm tired of all that stuff. I'm saying pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If it means that you just are praying and being led by the Holy Spirit, do it. If you think you've got the gift of tongues and you operate in, a, in that gift of tongues in a, in a, a concise and orderly and godly man, I, I'm just saying do it. Why do we argue over so many meaningless frustrating things in the body of Christ. Pray in the Spirit. Whatever that means to you, He'll teach you. Just do it. Don't talk about it and argue about it and, and, you know, divide over it and write something on Facebook, my pastor, this and that, and I don't know. Just do it. Am I excited? I I didn't get to preach last week. I was preaching in Oklahoma City. I'm back in Colorado. Pray in the Spirit. Be watchful. You see it there? Being watchful. In this spiritual... How many of you know the enemy is cunning and he's sly and he sneaks up? If you're not watchful. Gosh, I should be smarter than I am. I've been in this work a long time. And I knew what I'm preaching on. And I knew that I was going to face spiritual battle. I Pray for me, please. I hate Saturday night and I hate Sunday night. 
One of the things I told in Oklahoma City, and I'm going to share this in November, and I'm, I'm just getting too ornery. They get older. 42. We need prayer on Saturday night and Sunday night. Me and my wife and my kids, I'm so stinking tired of Saturday night and Sunday night. We get hit with all kinds of stuff. And I get angry. I admit that. I was up till two, angry. God, I'm tired of this. I got to preach this because it's true and I believe it. I want to give my whole heart to it. But I get tired of getting beat up. I didn't see it coming. I had a good day yesterday. We went up and celebrated. Jim and Linda did too with, with the Pilkingtons. Walden Brook, their son Tyler, got married up in Laramie. And gosh, it was a good day. And I felt good. I've been facing some physical stuff. And have not felt good. And I felt good yesterday. And went to the wedding and spent time with you. And I get home and I'm not, I'm not being watchful. And three or four things hit me. Out of the blue, I wasn't paying attention. I should have saw it coming. I should have had my guard up. And so for three or four or five hours, I'm just totally angry. Because I wasn't being watchful. I should have saw it coming. And I told the people there, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be authentic. You might think I'm Looney Tune, and I'm a basket case, and I need mental health. And I, I understand all that. I understand that. Oh, I agree, but you do too. You can act. You can paint it up, and you can dress up. But I know you. You're human. You might carry it different. You might hide it better. You might twist it a little bit. We need to be watchful. He's looking. And the last one, persevere. In this spiritual war, you're going to get hit like I did. You're going to take some licks. You're going to lose some battles. You're going to face some failure. You're going to incur some tragedy. You're going to have some de- defeats and some disillusionments. But my friends, don't yield to it. Don't surrender to it. Don't throw in the towel. I mean, there, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things I don't have, but there's one thing I think my mom did give me, my parents did give me, or God gave me, is you know what? Even though I don't really feel like I'm a fighter. I'll be, t- I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be here today. If God wouldn't have given me that ability sometimes to just say, you know what, but I'm still going to keep fighting. I'm just going to still fight. I'm going to still fight. I'm going to still fight. I missed six three foots putts in a row, didn't I? Yeah. And I'm still going to fight. I'm still going to fight, Rod. I'm still going to fight. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for him. I'm going to fight for us. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for myself. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for my nation. Are we prepared? Are we equipped for spiritual battle? Now is the time. Now is the day. Amen? Let's stand.